0: Hi, I'm Michael G. Williams, and welcome to Social Distancing Radio. I'm a novelist, and a reader and friend of mine asked if I would record myself reading one of my novels as something they would find comforting and familiar in the midst of the uncertainty and anxiety of the COVID-19 pandemic. I'll be reading to you from Perishables, the first book in my five-book urban fantasy and vampire series, The Withrow Chronicles, published by Falstaff Books, a.k.a. falstaffbooks.com. If you'd like to pick up a copy for yourself, head over to bit.ly that's bit.ly slash perishables link. That goes to Amazon. Thanks. All righty all. Let's get back to it. I took last week off from doing social distancing radio because I was getting ready to take this week off from my day job. Uh, So right now, normally, this week, I would be at the beach. Uh, That had been the plan, and that was the reservation that we made, and we had friends who were going to go with us, and it was going to be a whole big thing. It's an annual thing we do every year we go to Sunset Beach in North Carolina. If you have read the fourth Withrow novel, uh, Attempted Immortality, then you'll know that Attempted Immortality is set in Sunset Beach, and it's one of my favorite places in the world. It's very interesting there. It's uh, not a place a lot of kids go. (laughs) So so, uh, the first time we went there in our 30s, we were like the kids of the island running around being crazy with all these much older people around. It was very, very strange, and I love it there. Uh, anyway, the beach is open, but the town has forbidden beach rentals for another week, which, personally, I think is very wise. I think they are rushing things by letting people go out on the beach, and I think it's not going to go terribly great for some of those people. But, regardless, our reservation got canceled by dint of the Town Council, and, like I say, I think they made the right choice. So... I'm here. And you know what? It'd rain all week anyway. And there's going to be like a tropical storm or something. And now we didn't have to spend that money on the house since we uh, were not allowed to keep our reservation. Then we did not lose the money for it. And we get to just have a week at home and chill out and do stuff. So I'm doing things like making brandied cherries for the first time to have with cocktails and... You know stuff like that uh, i ordered a mandolin because my husband and i want to learn to play stringed instruments together so <clears throat> the other thing i'm doing is i'm finishing the first round of revisions on the sequel to my novel a fallen autumn and then off to my editor it goes at the end of this week so i got a lot going on for a vacation but one of the things i got going on is reading to you and I have poured myself a healthy serving of Reed and wine. Oh. Uh, staycation is a good thing. So, let's get this going. <clears throat> I ran like a train derailing, spinning and churning at the corners, propelled ever forward, incapable of stopping if I'd wanted to. Active wear and big and tall and maternity and luggage and school supplies were just blurs. Jennifer had said she would lock those doors in the back in 30 seconds, and that had been something like a minute or a minute and a half ago, but I had my fingers crossed that she was assuming the worst of the humanity around her and that she would hold the doors past the announced time, like she probably had to do every time she worked the closing shift in a place like this. Seasonal goods came into view in the distance, and I noticed a couple of the Christmas trees and an oversized inflatable menorah were on their sides in the aisles. I hoped that didn't mean things were back there were too crazy, that nothing had gotten back here, that no one was bitten, and that Jennifer wouldn't hurt. I had a lot of respect for her, going out into the world every night and working amongst people, even though she probably woke up screaming all the time from nightmares about the dead rising up out of the middle of them. With the vampire's ears, I heard the locks clank shut at the bottoms and tops of the double doors marked Employees Only. I screamed something unintelligible, but it was too late. Jennifer had done what she'd said she'd do, and then she'd waited a little longer than she'd said she would, and when she heard me screaming, she closed up shop to save the people she could. Damn her doll, all of Dante's circles and some new ones to boot, but I liked this human. I liked her for all the same reasons I grudgingly liked Mary Lou, for staying up all night with a handgun and the television and nothing else. I could have ripped the doors open, I'm sure, but that would have defeated the purpose. A part of me wanted to do that anyway, just to have somewhere else to run, just because I knew there would be an exit back there somewhere. But I didn't let the rise in panic take me away like that. I couldn't yet let the teeth take over and start doing all my thinking. That was never a good option. Well, almost never. Instead, I kept going and started shooting up and down various aisles in random patterns. The zombies were pounding along behind me, unable to catch up to a vampire, but able to spread out and cover a huge amount of real estate at one time. Had one or two people pursued me, then I could have just run zigzags around the store to build distance and confuse them. But they had the numbers, and apparently the smarts, to take over a bunch of territory at once and keep me contained as soon as I started trying to do that. I had about a third of the store still ahead of me, still open, when the intercom crackled to life and I heard Jennifer's booming voice, pick up the orange phone, any orange phone. There was no time. I had to do some hurting to people. We could chit chat later. Cleanin' products appeared on a sign ahead of me, one of the little ones at the ends of the aisle, and I tore down at arms out, sweeping up one huge bottle of laundry detergent after another. Dan the Torpedoes, it was time to fight and to use all my advantages. With smiles bounding after me, the rest of the world blurred. Over the course of the first airborne twirl in a picture-perfect quadruple lutz, I tore the sides out of four of the plastic jugs and let go of them pointed down so the concentrated soap could gush out towards the floor. In the time it took to execute the second spin, I grabbed up four more economy-sized tubs of some cleaner or another and flung them behind me at the slow-motion zombies trying to sprint to keep up and doing a better job than any human should be able to do. The chemical cleansers tumbled away from me like that video of that astronaut throwing a baseball in space, the one where it goes so slow he can run ahead of it, pick up a bat and swing at his own pitch. On the third spin, I grabbed two bottles of chlorine bleach and sent them towards the floor hard enough to rip open and explode on impact. On the fourth spin, I crushed a big jug of dishwashing liquid between my hands so that it would spout from the bottle in a textbook perfect arc to land on top of the bleach. i spent decades listening to hippies yammer on and on about household cleaners being chock full of dangerous chemicals, and I would like to encourage them to keep doing so because they are 100% correct, and that kind of information can prove useful from time to time. Whether you're an environmentalist looking to slow down our relentless march towards ecological disaster, and every vampire is an environmentalist because we learn fast to take the long view in every situation that allows us the time or someone keeping tabs on ways to explain away a sudden debilitating illness, it pays to know what people bring into their homes and inevitably put into their bodies in one form or another. When I came down for the landing and kept running, thick boot soles squeaking against the tile floor and my trench coat spinning around to settle back in place around me, The first zombie planted a foot in a laundry detergent, took a jug of cleaning solution to the chest from the air, and landed on its ass just in time for a bunch of chloramines to be released from a hissing, bubbling mess of bleach and ammonia in the middle of the floor. I heard him give a ragged, strangled cough, and thick globs of cleaner sprayed up away from his impact like blood spatter in a crime story sponsored by Tide. The first few zombies behind him were no more fortunate, but the fifth one around the corner managed to stop and the rest started to divert. They were reacting before they'd even seen it, and they were fast, fast like a junkie, all cracked out on uppers. Four down, 30 to go. Smiles was one length behind me like he's trained to do, so that if needed he can leap past to charge someone while I stop short. His claws clattered and sang on the tile and sounded a lot like a knife-cutting fabric. The two of us turned a sharp left at the end of the aisle, and as I shot past the next one, I saw that some of these sprinters were ignoring the detour I'd taken to try to get ahead of me off to the left along the main corridor through the back of the store. They were hurting me, like a border collie and a bunch of sheep, only the sheep were in charge. "'I cried out with a guttural growl that turned into a shout "'and pushed off with my next footfall "'so that I bounded eight or nine feet into the air. "'All the shelving units in the store "'had a strip of plastic running along the top. "'I grabbed it in a classic dorsal grip "'and executed a passable move, "'the name of which I couldn't remember, "'but it involved swinging my legs up and over the bar sideways.' I pushed off to find the physics of my generous proportions and flew upwards and over in a slow arc before landing four aisles away in another avenue of tile. Smiles banked off a different shelving unit to swing around and follow me. Zombie sprinters were working to keep up with me, and though I couldn't see them, I could hear them coming from both ends of the nearest block of shells smile's lips curled back and his teeth were practically vibrating with the force of the growl he produced his back was to me mine to his and i stamped the floor with my left foot so hard the tile vaporized and plasticized shrapnel shot three feet into the air my heart kicked out of the dump. my hands spread out The zombies came around both corners, and time crawled as I connected my fists with the jawbones of the two in front, sending them backwards into the ones behind them, then spun and kicked a fifth who had tried to push between them. They were all silent and serious, and their gaze was steady. They didn't look like they were necessarily enjoying this, and that all made it all the worse, somehow. My foot came down and I twisted, lifting my opposite foot to bring it up in the crotch of some other zombie, maybe one had already hit and maybe not. "'I could see Smiles, whose jaws latched high on the waist of one zombie, "'another fallen backwards from some unknown blow he had landed. Six more down for now. "'Then I came around from the second kick. "'When I came around from the second kick, "'I had the edge of my coat in my hand and flicked the corner of it up "'and into the eyes of a latecomer "'while I drove my knuckles deep into the stomach of another, "'then shifted my weight and drove a shoulder into the one I'd blinded, "'then landed on both feet to rebalance.' more of these things came around the corner all the while and i realized real fast that smiles and i were in it deep at the same moment i heard the baritone of a record being played too slow and a hollow thock from somewhere off to my left jennifer came into view her back catching a zombie in the chin behind her as she cocked it back for a second swing at the legs of the one in front the one behind staggered back. The one in front went over in a heap, and she let the momentum of the back carry her around in a circle to catch the one behind her under the arm and lift him clean off his feet. I had an ally I hadn't expected, and in that moment, it felt like a real fight. Ooh, well, that seems like a pretty good place to stop for this episode. So, come back tomorrow, and let's pick it up there, right where we left off. Talk to y'all then. Bye. Thanks for listening. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. The theme music is Plucked Contemporary Boom by Kara Square. Available under a Creative Commons attribution license at ccmixter.org. Thank you.